Welcome to Headlines. This is Ari Wasserman sitting in for David Lechtenstein. In order to introduce our topic for the day, I just want to talk about uh, something that happened to me in shul. I was uh, in shul one morning, and after Shachris, a couple people from Chutzlaretz approached me. Uh, they live in uh, super yeshivas neighborhoods located somewhere in the United States of America, on the East Coast of America. And we started schmoozing when they come to visit. Uh, we catch up. How's everything going? And they started discussing what's going on in their respective neighborhoods about uh, different behaviors that are popping up or have popped up amongst uh, certain Balabatim. And I, I found it uh, saddening, uh, intriguing, depressing. And uh, as a follow-up to the conversation, one of them sent me a, a text that a woman had sent about her husband and a number of his friends. And she was lamenting some of the behaviors that she sees in her husband and his chaverim. And I'm going to read part of the text that I was forwarded. It doesn't say the name of the woman on it, and uh, it's, it's not known. It's anonymous, and uh, I think it's an important uh, way to start off the show that uh, it seems that there there are behaviors that uh, I'm not necessarily uh, exposed to them living in Israel, but I did see some of this when I was living in the United States of America, and I'm sure it exists uh, somewhat in Israel as well. We'll discuss that a little bit on the show as well. And uh, the text went as follows from this woman. She says, uh, why are they, I'm not reading it yet, it's just a little bit background. She's basically saying, why are they picking on the women so much when it comes to tzniyas and modesty, actions and behaviors? Look at the men. And she says as follows, I only wear lace tops, talking about the shaitals, the lace top shaitals, when my husband comes home with his friends after biking, and they are wearing their bike for high pants. That's the biking shorts. I also wear it, talking about her lace top shaitl, I also wear it when they have a barbecue, and sit in the hot tub in the backyard smoking hookah. I had to look up what hookah is. It's like a contraption for smoking legal or illegal uh, substances. And she continues that she wears it when they come into my house. After davening on Shabbos, and have a kiddish with unlimited drinking, leaving the house to go back to their super recharged Baruch Hashem with a tremendous amount of alcohol. I also wear it when my husband and his friends go to conferences for a couple of days in the gambling meccas of the world, and also when they come home from their tzedakah parlor meetings with freshly rolled cigars, etc. So that's going to be our topic for the day. What's happening out there? The Mitzias, what's happening with some of our great Balabatim? They are great Balabatim. Maybe the behaviors aren't so great. We'll talk about smoking of hookah, freshly rolled cigars, vaping, drinking, expensive alcohol, and more. We will get into the questions of our freshly rolled cigars and expensive alcohol. Are those good ways, acceptable ways to attract men to attend shiurim? Where are these behaviors being learned from. This doesn't seem to be something endemic to Klal So where are we seeing this? Where are we learning this from? And in any case, what's the problem with getting drunk? For example, like Kiddushim, vaping, marijuana, etc. How does it impact our children? How does it impact our wives? And uh, what keeps a, a working man connected and maybe away from these behaviors? And why do women seem to do better than men in these and many other areas as well? To discuss these issues and more, we have an amazing uh, cast of guests on this show. We are going to be starting out with Rabbi David Goldwasser, who is the Rav of Kal Beis Yitzchak. He is a noted author. He's written numerous books. He is a tremendous speaker, so we look forward to having him on the show. The renowned 
psychologist, Dr. David Pelkowitz. Always a pleasure speaking with Dr. Pelkowitz to get from a psychological perspective what is going on out there. We will be speaking with Rabbi Avraham Neuberger. He is the Vrav of Congregation Sharit Fila and he's a member of the Ated Chinuch Roundtable. Actually, he's got his hands in numerous things. Fascinating individual. Look forward to getting his input and uh, the uh, things that he sees going on in the, in the in his neighborhood, but we're not going to talk about his shul, obviously, but other neighborhoods or the shul across the road. And then we are going to have closing remarks from Rabbi Yisachar Friend, the renowned Rosh Yeshiva at Ner Yisrael, Baltimore. Always a pleasure having Rabbi Friend on the show. Before we go to our guests, just a little bit on Parsha. Parsha's B'Shalach. I think I may have uh, talked about this Pasuk in the past, at the beginning of the Parsha, that Akadosh Baruch Hu did didn't want to take Klal Yisrael straight out of Mitzrayim into civilization. The Pasuk says as follows, It was too close. What does that mean, too close? Typically, we think geographically, but truth be told, says the Meshachachma was talking about the philosophy of the non-Jews that we would be going to and passing by, that was too similar to the philosophy, the trade philosophies of the Egyptians of Mitzrayim that we were leaving from. And says the Meshachachma as follows, these mistakes, these secular norms, these secular beliefs were enrooted, entrenched in Kalal Yisrael. It was too soon to be going close to the secular societies. It would influence and impact life. So in fact, we had to wean them off of those philosophies to start with. So they needed to go into the Midbar. Effectively, they needed to detox from their Avodah background or the uh, philosophies that they had gotten accustomed to while they were in Egypt. They had to be alone. And it had to be uprooted from their hearts, these secular norms. And accordingly, says the Meshachachma, to go straight close to secular societies that would not give Klal Yisrael the necessary time to wean them off from the beliefs that they had. Even Yitzhiyas Mitraim, seeing the Nisim and Iflas of going out of Egypt, Egypt, Kriyas Yamsu, etc. So soon, they needed time off to get away from those secular norms. And that's something, obviously, that we'll be talking about on this show as we get into smoking of hookah, freshly rolled cigars, all of these activities, these actions and behaviors, vaping, drinking, expensive alcohol. We'll be talking about, does this come from us or does this come from elsewhere? Are we simply seeing it in secular society? On a related note... The Pasuk says as follows in this week's Parshas, Parshas B'Shalach, Vayikach Moshe's Atzmos Yosef Imo, the Moshe Rabbeinu. What did he take with him? He took with him the bones of, of Yosef. He wanted to be involved in a mace mitzvah, taking care of Yosef, making sure that Yosef got properly buried in Eretz Yisrael. And the Kliyakar has a very powerful comment, a very powerful comment. He contrasts what B'nai Yisrael, Kali Yisrael was engaged with when they were leaving Mitzrayim right before leaving what Moshe Rabbeinu was involved with. And he focuses on that word, Vaikach Moshe's Atzmas Yosef, Imo, together with him. He focuses beautifully on that word. And he says, when they came to Klal Yisrael, they were involved in properly also. They had a mitzvah, I guess, to, to be taking out the uh, the money and the uh, the zahav and the kesef and to take the clothing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them to do that. So indeed, that was something that uh, was not improper for them to be doing. They were involved in taking the money, taking the clothing, the materialism out of Mitzrayim. But compared to what Moshe Rabbeinu was involved in, the mitzvah, the mitzvah of making sure that Yosef's 
body is properly buried, says the Kliyakar, that's why it says the word, Vayikach Moshe, Atzmos Yosef, Imo, together with him. What's together with him? As everyone knows, you can't take the money, you can't take the clothing, you can't take the materialism with you when somebody passes away. However, what we can take with us are the mitzvahs. And that's the focus on the word Imo, Vayikach Moshe, Atzmos Yosef, Imo. He took it with him not only in this world, but in the world to come. Obviously, an important message to all of us from this Tvar Torah is when we are deciding what to do with our time, what activities to be involved in, they should be activities that we can take emo, that we can take together with us, not only in this world, but the world to come. Obviously, that's talking about our Limud Torah, our Chesed, our Mitzvahs that we do. That's what we can be taking with us. Just a quick public service announcement. Please stay tuned. At the end of the show, Rav David Lechtenstein will come on and he will discuss the responses to last week's riddle. And uh, before we go to our guest, we will simply go through this week's riddle. This week's riddle is also based on this week's parsha. It says in Parah Yudalit Pasuk Chafbeis Vayavo Beneshel Pesach Hayam Beyabasha Yisrael. When the sea split, they came through and they were going on the dry land. There is actually a pasuk in Tehillim Perek Kuf Yudalit Pasuk Gimel that says Hayam Ravayanos, and the uh, the Yamsuf saw and fled. And the question that the Medrash is grappling with is Mara'a, What did the Yamsuf see that it fled from? And the response, the cryptic response that is given in the Medrash is as follows Bryce of the Rebbe Yishmael Ra. It's all the Bryce of Rebbe Yishmael. And our question for the day is what Bryce is that talking about? What does this Medrash mean? This cryptic Medrash that says when the Yamsuf saw the Bryce of Rebbe Yishmael, that is what motivated to move out of its way in order to enable Klaishal to come into the Yamsuf. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's 02372-0304. And now, let's go to our guests. Joining us now is Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser is the Rav of Kahal Bene Yitzchak in Brooklyn. He is a prominent Rav, a syndicated columnist, radio commentator, and an acclaimed speaker. He is a very interesting person who has his hands in a lot of areas. He's an author of over a dozen books and an expert in the field of mental health. And he's also on the faculty of Turo College Teaching Judaic Studies. Rabbi Goldwasser, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here together with you and uh, the tremendous service that you do for Klaisa worldwide is uh, something that is so special because the issues that are at the fore, a lot of times for some reason are missed. But you don't miss them. Well, we try, we try to pick them up. I, I will tell you, Rabbi Goasser, it's, it's interesting you said that because I I, I kind of missed this one. And, uh, you know, living in Eretz Yisrael and having very limited exposure to, quote unquote, the real world, I, I kind of missed this one because I didn't see it. But I was approached by some people who live uh, not too far from you. Uh, on the East Coast of uh, the United States of America, the glorious United States of America, one in New Jersey, one in New York, from very, very yeshivish communities. And 
they told me uh, what is going on about uh, certain behaviors. And uh, they went into detail as I was speaking with them after the Nate's minion here in Eretz Yisrael and Yushalayim. And they said the, uh, the drinking, alcoholic drinking and the smoking and the vaping and the vacation with the boys, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I decided to do an exploration and investigation. So this is a little bit different for me, this show, because I'm talking about a topic that I, I don't have experiencing it and I'm, I'm using it as an exploration and investigation. So I'd love to divide up our conversation between the status of, of what's going on. Number one, number two is why is this going on? And number three, we'll talk hopefully about some solutions. So when it comes to that first thing that the status, you know, talk with me. I, I remember when I used to live in the States that this was a big issue, the drinking at Kiddushim, um, at home when people come over at shuls. And this was discussed a lot a couple decades ago, even. And uh, people apparently clamped down. The OU came down with the policy, no more kiddish clubs in shul. Is this, and it doesn't have to be kiddish clubs in shul, is, is the drinking the en masse, is that still going on? And how common is it? Um, love to hear about that. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, we talk a lot about the... Uh, Jewish community being insular, and in many ways it is, but what we're finding is in this new world, especially with the event of the internet, I'm not sure anymore. Uh, many of the ills of society have crept in. Many of the uh, different situations that exist on the outside that really would have been considered a shanda or something that was a rare occurrence, now we're finding to be not so rare anymore. The drinking has become, in my estimation, a very sore problem. It is not acceptable for an individual to go above the limit, the limit of what is considered to be just a l'chaim, the limit of what is considered to be the accepted alcohol percentage when stopped by a policeman in a car, the limit of what is proper for B'nai Torah. Okay, maybe the outside world, yes, but someone that is learning, someone that is involved in the Beis Yaakov, we have to be on a little bit higher level. We have to try. We want to be the moral compass, the ethical compass for others. Uh, I can only tell you that it was at... Uh, not far away, there's a large hall. There is a person making a bar mitzvah on Shabbos. He invited me. I don't know him. I don't know his family. He called me and asked, would you come to speak at the bar mitzvah suda? It was on Shabbos. He said, you don't have to stay for the suda. You just, we want you to come in. I'm having the Mizamrim professional singers come. I'm having so And we would like you to say it at the Bar Torah. A professional said, speaker. Plan. A professional speaker. Yeah. Yeah, professional speech. <laughs> I prepared. I asked a little bit about the family, the bocher. I wanted to be something nice. I came in. I stood up in front of everyone. Everyone was quiet. All of a sudden, in the middle of the room, in the middle of the table, hundreds of people there, a guy starts singing, Mishanichnas Adar. We're now in the middle of Kislev. Mishanichnas Adar Marbin Besimcha. <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, like there is a minig by the bar mitzvah to sing in, not to allow him to speak or by the chasen. So you start singing and you don't embarrass him. Maybe they thought I didn't know. Okay. So I stopped. Then I saw at the table, they were shushing him. I waited a minute. 
I began again. This time, he's singing like loud, another Purim song. And I, I can't understand what it is. By the third time, the father of the bar mitzvah came over, stood next to me, tried to get order. Everybody was either laughing or trying to figure out what it was and what was happening. Needless to say, by the time the father was standing right next to me, in my estimation, it was over. I had finished. I said the Devar Torah the best that I possibly could with everything that was going on. And uh, he thanked me. He apologized. And I walked home. Not far. I was walking home outside. And I thought to myself, look what this has done. It's taken over Simcha. It's hijacked. It's hijacked Simcha's Torah. It's hijacked weddings. So uh, our whole idea that the Gemara naturally says, you know, uh, what is it called? Yayin. The wine itself is sometimes called the name. It could be good and it could be not so good. Uh, Tirosh, Rosh. You're the head. You're the, uh, it, it will help a person that they can elevate themselves. Or chas it can bring a person down. I think that uh, we have mimicked the outside society where we go out a night for drinking in the outside society. It's, this is known. Going out for drinking, uh, have a beer party, have uh, wine, where people are going to get intoxicated. That's what, that is the purpose designated driver. What I'm afraid is that a little bit has worn off in the community and it is something we do it a lot better than the other community. So uh, eating disorders, I can tell you, I wrote a book on it. We do it much better we're than the others. We're we are machmir. We learn all of the, you know, all of the tricks of the trade. Uh, it bothers me very much. And I'm afraid that uh, uh, we don't know if you take a look in the under the entry of uh, drinking in many of the Sarim, you will not find a lot on it. The problem, I am sure, did not exist that it does at the uh, rate that it does today. Uh, even uh, if you take a look under certain things with uh, getting high, so you'll find the tshuva, Rebel Yoshev, Zechot Tzadik tshuva on what happens if a person was high and they did something, they gave a get or uh, they uh, got married uh, when they were intoxicated. And he talks about it at length. And there are others, uh, other tshuvas as well, uh, in terms of uh, davening when a person's intoxicated. But getting intoxicated, the uh, isurim of a person not realizing it, uh, that are addressed in a person needing the presence of mind and making the right decisions and being able to keep the the mitzvahs that are toloi b'machshava that we have to keep in mind. I'm afraid that uh, we will need to have a lot more atshuvas that will address the current situation because of because of what's uh, w- what is going on in the world. Uh, you, you know, a parent has to realize, or a as I will call them, a sheni going to put out a bottle on the table that costs two hundred dollars. And it's going to show that to others and say, this bottle is a good bottle, $200. It's aged. It's older than my grandmother. So, so that, that is uh, alcohol, eating disorders. Are you say, seeing the same thing when it comes to smoking, vaping, 
marijuana. Is that rampant in the community as well? And, and, and just one other point related, to, and I think it's exactly what you were talking about when Carl Yisrael takes this on, uh, we seem to uh, do it behider. The Gemara in, in uh, Megillah, Tezayin Amaral, says as follows, uh, that Uma Zomashula La'afar, Uma Shula La'kochavim, we are, this nation is uh, comparable to the Afar, the dirt of the ground, and also to the stars, Kishen Yordin, Yordin Afar. When we fall, we fall big. When we fall, we go all the way down like the dirt. So I guess it's uh, the tale of two cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You know, it, it's it's up or down. It seems that we're on the downswing. And would you say with that, at least in this area, other areas were up on the upswing, smoking, vaping, marijuana. Are you seeing that in, in the neighborhoods also? Uh, unfortunately, Ravosman, you quoted a Gemara that uh, it's, it's very difficult uh, to understand it within the context of today's times and the things that are going on. Uh, I do find that because of the vaping, it has become almost accepted. Uh, people will even vape inside and they will, will not smoke inside, but they will vape inside. And here uh, in America, we have a lot of laws about uh, indoor smoking. Uh, unfortunately, the vaping has opened the door for younger clientele, for people that want to uh, be a part of everything. And the fact that they advertise there's mint and orange and chocolate and all kinds of flavors, much more sophisticated it's not the old to take a camel cigarette and dangling out of your mouth. Now it's very sophisticated. I can buy a device and smoke the device. It's the technology. Is, it's technology. <laughs> technology. Uh, the problem is that it has served to be the gateway for people to ha- become hooked on smoking. I have a guy, very nice young man. He said, uh, listen, right now on Shabbos, I'm just making it through. By Havdalah, I've got to have the device in my hands by Havdalah. So my family, I forgot how many minutes he told me that they wait after uh, Shkia. He says, could I be a little bit Mako? This is an important thing. It's important. Can I do the draw? Draw 13 and a half minutes. Can I, can I do yeah. that? After Shkia. <laughs> Even that. And this uh, this is where it's going. There is a person uh, who works in, uh, he he works in uh, PR. He happens to be a brilliant uh, man in PR and he's extremely successful. Ravitzlik Saflis. He called me with a Shiloh a couple of years ago when it was just coming out, the electronic cigarettes. He said he has been offered to undertake the entire campaign, advertising, publicity for the e-cigarettes. What do I say? I said, Rabbi Yitzchok, Chaz v'shalom, you're going to be a like we can't even imagine. He didn't say one word. He turned down over a million dollar contract, over a million dollars. And I, I feel that uh, he did something extremely uh, special. Unfortunately, we are seeing some ads in various media outlets that have, uh, that have already been uh, sponsored by uh, these type of uh, e-cigarettes and other 
you know, vaping and talking about vaping. It has just brought more people into it. It's become accepted. If I will say you can't do it, uh, individuals say, then how come there are so many that I know that do do it and nobody has said anything? It has, uh, I think it's broken. It, it is broken the stigma of something that we that we don't do, that we used to be careful about. Right. Rabbi Gowal, so we, we've covered basically status of what's going on out there. And, and I'd like to move on to why is it so? And, and you mentioned the impact of secular society, but I, I want to put maybe some more variables out there as to what's going on. We do have secular society. Unfortunately, it has a negative impact, doesn't have a very positive impact on us generally. Um, there's also a lot of wealth nowadays. Stock markets are up, property values are up, people looking to spend the money and why not invest in in, uh, in liquor and heavy liquor, hard liquor and use it and then replenish. So that'd be number two is, is wealth. Uh, number three is people feeling a void. And, and that could be complicated with, with Corona and uh, the voids that people feel. And that's somewhat related to number four, there's a lot of pressure. And it could be that people feel the need to uh, let loose and, and, and uh, be able to relax a little bit. So where would you say is the most emphasis coming from so we can try to know how to how to treat the patient here? Is it secular society? Is it money? Is it feeling a void? Is it pressure? Or is it like everything together? I feel it's a result of the total sum of all the factors that you that you mentioned. Uh, there is a great relaxation uh, drive by many. Uh, what I find is when it comes to intercession, midwinter break, uh, the things that you got to do to relax. I think that uh, it has become compounded by people that were basically in bedewed and uh, isolated during the uh, entire time. So then things broke out all of a sudden, you know, uh, I don't want to mention a certain place in the uh, Middle East, but <laughs> it all of a sudden became like, you know, the uh, you weren't there yet. You didn't get this yet. And I thought to myself, what are we talking about? It's not if Israel. You're talking about you, it's not yeah. Israel. It's the UAE. Uh, halabai, halabai. UAE. Uh, I, I, it bothered me. It just bothered me. To me, you've got Kedusha. It, it, it just bothered me. Uh, so what I felt was that people needed to break loose. Adults needed to break loose. They got, we got to go somewhere. So uh, I do feel that it is, uh, it, it, it spills over from many different reasons. The relaxation now became, I need to do something uh, in particular to relax. And the regular things are not going to cut it for me anymore. It's not going to do it for me. So a person turns to certain art, artificial stimulation. And uh, unfortunately, it takes us away from what we should be greatly stimulated by. A person sits down and they have a, a Devar Mitzvah. They do uh, a learning. Uh, I'll never forget uh, in one of the Shurim. So there was an older man. He he didn't have a chance to learn a little bit Lambdas, Iyun. And it was a vacation time. And it happened to be that there was a sheer in Lambdas. He got up and he came over to me and he said, I, 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 I'm too excited. I, I have to know what's tomorrow. Could you give me a little hint of what, what it's going to be? And I thought to myself, wow, that's where a person should have their great excitement, their relaxation. It goes more and more and more. 
where's the gvul? Where, where's the limit? So then uh, regular smoking's not good. Then we had to come out with a hexture on marijuana, on weed. Where do you see that? How's that passed down? Uh, Ravari, we had a chance to discuss this. Uh, I was asked by uh, a very fine young woman that Lel Shabbos, Friday night, they had some people over and they had some brownies, not brownies from the bakery. And uh, her husband told her she should try it. She said, I don't, I don't think I should. There was actual pressure in the room that she should do it. Like it would be a mitzvah gedala to try the brownie. The husband, so she said, the husband pressuring the wife to have a brownie with, with marijuana in it. With marijuana. Uh, uh, Mild pressure, but try it. And everybody was there, you know, people. So she asked me, I said, Bishum Ponibaifan, you're Asia's Kyle. This is Achashver is telling his wife to come, to come. You know, what, what, what's going on there? People are misguided. They don't, they don't understand. It's not that they want to be that way, it's they don't have better direction. It's really. Whatever they see in their eyes, like, is it Yasa? They will do. And I told her. So she said, I'm, I'm not going to tell him that I told you because he'll be very embarrassed if he knows. But I'm going to be uh, extremely adamant that I won't try it. I said, not only that, that it should not be in your home. <laughs> it shouldn't be. It's only a matter of time until your kids are going to know what's going on in your house. And then it's a joke. Everything's a joke. Uh, a couple came to me. I take marijuana because I have a little back pain. Another one says, I take marijuana because my feet hurt. And then the next thing I know, <laughs> I take marijuana because uh, I have a, a my, my nail is a little uh, jagged. It, it, we, have to, we, we have to see that things are spiraling. Right. And marijuana is a gateway drug i'm not allowed to call it a drug a gateway drug that leads on and next it's um, i take marijuana because i take marijuana <laughs> so, so, so rabbi goldwasser the demographic it sounds like it's men what what age are we talking about is, is it is it all ages is it a specific uh, group that we're talking about uh, in terms of the uh, smoking i would say that we're seeing teenagers, young teenagers involved uh, very, very much in, in the vaping part. In terms of the uh, marijuana, I would say more, not so much the teens, although I'm afraid that there is that. One of the schools in Jersey, I, I have to tell you, Barry, I was in Borough Park over here. A guy runs over to me. It was uh, in the springtime. He runs over and he says, do you don't understand, Rebbe, I, 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 you don't know what my principal did. I said, what, what happened? He says, my principal went and they did drug testing and he took a strand of hair and he cut it. So I said, well, don't you think it's important? Rebbe, it's Sphera. How could he do that? It's impossible that he should do that. I thought to myself, wow. That's a, that's a place that I like. Whatever muscle that is where they test it, it's wonderful. Keeps everybody on their toes. Uh, I, I, I worked at a company that there were drugs found in the bathroom, and there was a discussion, should we do, do drug testing of the employees? And uh, the general counsel decided no, because then we won't have any more employees left. <laughs> wow. That's a dose of MS. So that's uh, 
for the, I think for the uh, uh, the 20s and 30s group, it is more prevalent, but I'm afraid the 40s, 50s, and 60s fall prey. This is not, you know, like not to say anything, but these are not just some young hippies from, you know, years ago smoking. This is hit the main elements, the main uh, foundation of the community. We're talking about those that should be the backbone of the community. And and they're at Minyan, they're Kovei'itim, the Torah, or, or is that not happening? I mean, th- th- these aren't people who are off the derech. It's not people that are off the derech, but it's people that need a stronger Kesher. They may be coming to davening, but they need strengthening in this area. They need guidance. They need to ask, what is a Das Torah? Is it something that is is uh, like a gray area? Is it something that perhaps uh, a person could do it? Midas Hasidis will tell us not to do it. I'm afraid that uh, people have lost sight of what the real, the Chama'inian, what it's really mean, what it really means to us and how a person has to keep the Gedarim. A lot has been lost, you know. We push the envelope on many different areas. And I'm afraid on this one, uh, it's being pushed because it's not really addressed. There have been sessions on it. People have kicked it around. But to have really guidelines on it and to have an outlook and how acceptable is this? And do we bring something like that into the house? And what should be the limit in drinking? And when my teenager asks for money for cigarettes, what is my response? Do I say everybody's doing it anyhow, so here's the money? Or do I realize that it's not so simple? And if I take a look at the uh, unfortunate statistics that are available medically, and they are so well-defined for us, color-coded, we can see that if a person wishes to decrease the threat, how many months they have to go off of cigarettes until they can start to get the body back to where it was in the pre-smoking uh, era. Right, right. So, so so, this is leading us to the third area of the discussion. We did status. We discussed the reasons for what's happening. And now, and now we're talking about solutions. It's very difficult to get, go against the grain. It's, it's very difficult to go against the uh, stream of society. So uh, are there ways that we are seeing that we can turn the tide a little bit? There's chinuch, there's education, there's trying to focus more on learning, focus more on, on panemius. How, how do we get out of this hole here? Uh, I would say uh, there are three, three different things we could do. One, uh, definitely to talk about sipuk, what I can do to be personally satisfied. What is going to make me besimcha? How I can be happy with my learning, how I can take something and start to uh, really uh, digest it, make it a part of me, absorb it, how I can take a mitzvah or helping or the thousands of causes that there are today that an individual could dedicate their life to, uh, that will give them some inner sipuk. Having the ability to uh, enjoy the simple pleasures of life, I think is something that people don't realize it. I get Shilas bungee jumping, bungee jumping, holomoid, uh, skydiving. Skydiving has become like an, a, a thing, an issue. It, where does it stop? 
what's after skydiving? You know, I, I don't know. And uh, I feel that we really need to understand Sipuk. I am happy. I can play a game of dreidel and be happy. I don't need to go on to any other games. Uh, that's one. Two, I think we need guidelines. Young people are always asking, give me guidelines. Give me, uh, tell me that I can. You never said that I couldn't. I was waiting for you to tell me I can't. And I never heard those words. So that's why I got into the trouble. I think we need to be able to uh, give good guidelines uh, on these things and let them know. A lot of people say, tell me, uh, in dating, people will come over. Can you give me guidelines? Uh, how many texts are appropriate? How many hours? How many times? Meetings and so forth. And they're very happy. There are people that want the guidelines and it helps them, helps them also keep the relationship uh, fresh and keeps the relationship healthy. Uh, so I do believe we need to give out guidelines, what's appropriate, what's not, that uh, this is not suggested. Chafetz Chaim spoke about uh, smoking a long time ago, and there are plenty of beautiful uh, write-ups on it. And there, I saw, I was in, uh, in Yerushalayim, I saw the most beautiful uh, poster uh, that, gave a very strong, uh, very, very strong warning about smoking, but it was done in a very clever way. I think we should have that with a pasuk underneath, that they should understand that there is a Torah view on it. There's a Torah outlook on drinking. There's a Torah outlook on uh, going to uh, wherever they're going next. That all these things, you know, uh, Aruba does not, uh, you know, it's not like Yerushalayim, B'nai Brak, Aruba. We've got to understand it's not an option. It's not. The Swiss Alps are beautiful, unbelievable. When the Heiligenbiana Rebbe was on the on the plane going to Eretz Yisrael, so they said, Rebbe, uh, we don't want to disturb you from your learning, but Swipsal, Niflau Sabara, he took a look at his hand. He says, from the pasuk there, I see in my flesh, Mifsari Elokai, see Hashem in my flesh. I don't have to look there. <laughs> I think that, you know, we need to, we need to try and uh, get it back to the basics. And also, uh, in addition, understand the pressures of today's society and have people be able to stand up against pressure, against peer pressure, young people against peer pressure. Uh, interesting, Echon Hoya Avram in Likute Maran is a very beautiful Torah. Echad Hoyam, Avram Avinu was on one side of the world. The entire other people were on the other side of the world. Echad Hoyam, Avram, he stood up. He knew he was right. He did what he felt was the Ratzon Hashem. I think that we got to tell a person, do your own. I, I saw such a beautiful vart. I, I got to remember that why do we have Azas today? Chutzpiyaske. Everything young people, if I would have done that when I was young, you know what would have happened to me. So I saw the most beautiful terrace. It's that there was going to be a lot of chutzpah in today's world, a lot of peer pressure. A lot of times a person's going to be pressured not to be careful in mitzvot. So Hashem gave the younger generation the extra azastik dusha, the extra chutzpah, so they should be able to battle it.
And uh, I, I think that's what we got to do. We got to teach that, that you can have that you can come up against others. You don't have to cave into pressure. You can become a leader and others, others will follow you. That's a very beautiful word. You use, uh, use the chutzpah in the proper way. Why does it say two bases? We should worship a Kodesh Baruch Hu in the Yetzir HaTov and the Yetzir Hara. They should both be used for the proper purpose. So the chutzpah should be used for the proper purpose as well. Stand up to peer pressure. Very nice. Yeah, educational programs, I think, uh, are lacking because we feel this is today's world. You got to get used to it. This is today's world. Work with it. And uh, I'm very, those that are not in the know on these uh, issues, I'm not sure they realize what are the far reaching effects. So I would say, uh, you know, you got to scream, Rebari. I just got to say, Rebel Hanan one time was told temper his remarks because it's going to hurt his fundraising uh, efforts in the United States. So Rebel Hanan, <laughs> when he was told that, you know, he's going to do it for money, Rebel Hanan said in the old, old country, they always had a town shicker, a town drunk. What was good about the town drunk? He would say what needed to be said and nobody cared because he was the town drunk. So Rebel Hanan says, so I- I'm going to be the town drunk now. And he was. Not not literally, <laughs> but he did. Uh, told it as it was. Rabbi Goldwasser, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's my great schus to be part of the show. And it's a great schus to meet you and to have the pleasure and the privilege to speak together with you. Joining us now is Dr. David Pelkovitz. Dr. Pelkovitz is the renowned psychologist, the professor of psychology. He has private practice and he is in demand to speak all over the world. And in addition, and probably most important, he's really a lovely individual. It is very therapeutic speaking with him. Dr. Pelkovitz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Nice to see you. Dr. Palkowitz, I was approached by a couple people in shul from two uh, very well-known yeshivish neighborhoods. I wouldn't even call it neighborhoods, cities in the United States of America on the East Coast. One is in New York, one is in New Jersey, but I'm not going to mention which two they are. And and somebody approached and said, there's there's a, a growing phenomenon, but not small phenomenon. It's fairly common. And he's talking about not boys in yeshiva, but grown men with children. And uh, he told me about the issues of alcohol and going out uh, um, vacations with the guys. And he actually sent me a, a text that a, a woman had put together. And it's, it's a little bit lengthy. I'll, I'll read you some of it. Uh, and and uh, I'd like to get your take on why this is happening and are the ways that we can fix it. So the woman was basically saying that women are getting clobbered for violations of SNEAS. All the people are telling us we're wearing these lace top shaitals and we're under the gun for that, under the microscope. And she says as follows, but how about all the men? And how about how the men act? Their SNEAS, and SNEAS isn't only in dress, but she does start talking out, talking about uh, dress, SNEAS and dress of the men. So she says, uh, a, li- a little bit uh, tongue in cheek. I only wear lace tops when my husband comes home with his friends after biking, and they are wearing their bike for high pants. You know, they're 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 wearing their their uh, 
they're pants that they, you need a shoehorn to get into. And you, you're on my case for wearing a, a, a lace top shaito. I also wear it when they have a barbecue and sit in the hot tub in the backyard smoking hookah. Hookah, I was told, is a, is a smoking apparatus that it could be legal or illegal what is being smoked. I also wear it when they come into my house after davening on Shabbos and they have a kiddish with unlimited drinking, leaving the house to go back to theirs, supercharged, Baruch Hashem, with a tremendous amount of alcohol. And she talks about the gambling in the meccas of the world and the whining and dining and the freshly rolled cigars, etc., etc. Um, and wanted to get your take. I asked these two people, I said, are, are these really from people that it's happening to, uh, like people we would consider upstanding members of, uh, of their communities? And they said, yes. And I said, it must be very limited. And I said, and they said, no, it's not limited at all. And, and I wanted to get your take on this is, um, I mean, you're not from those two communities, but is this something that you've seen? And how would we explain this? These aren't people that are off the derech. These are people that are on the, you know, I guess it depends what you mean on the derech, but uh, they're walking the walk, they're talking the talk, and they're involved in, this, in these activities. How does something like that happen from a psychological perspective? Yeah, I mean, so my, my first impression is that there isn't that much new about this, although it might be getting somewhat more exaggerated, you know, with, with COVID and with, um, you know, all kinds of increased stress in, in, in our world. But it gets down to what, what leads to a true internalization of values, where there's a real toho kuboro, authentic kind of, uh, kind of connection. And, um, you know, what the men themselves would answer if you talk to them is they say, look, you know, um, to me, I'm not a particular, they, they may even agree. They say, look, I'm not a particularly spiritual person. To me, Shul is like a country club. And I go, and uh, what I love about Shul, many, you know, you have what is it, the JFKs and the FBRs, people who are just, they come to Shul just for Kiddush, where they're from, but robotic, you know, commonly used the term. And um, for them, what Shul is really all about, people in this subset, it's about the getting together with, you know, the finest, um, um, the, you know, the finest scotch. It's not uncommon for uh, many, many men I know to, um, you know, have um, um, uh, scotch or bourbon collections that are worth tens of thousands of dollars and um, almost mind-boggling amount of expense goes into it. Um, There's also um, a a tendency now more and more with legalization of marijuana throughout much of the United States um, to, um, you know, to see no problem with uh, getting high, no problem with, uh, all all within halacha in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, strict, they, they wouldn't be Michal Shabbos. They wouldn't, um, you know, do anything that would be a strict um, Easter other than what happens with Sneas or, um, you know, what you could do Rishus Torah when, when, um, when, when you go overboard. They forget about the modeling of their children. They forget about how their kids are going to learn through this. And they forget about the impact on their marriage. A certain percentage actually become alcoholics. Um, You know, it used to be a far more um, or substance abusers. You know, they become addicted. Um, I don't know what the numbers are. 
The vast majority probably don't. Um, and the vast majority will um, try to tie it to Torah. So they'll have a Friday night um, get together this time of year with their, um, you know, with their buddies and they'll have some Rabbanim in town come over and share Divrei Torah and they'll sing, but they'll also, um, you know, get, get pretty drunk. And, um, you know, the, the wives often get very upset. It's not, it doesn't feel healthy at all to me. I'm, I'm um, reminded of the story that um, I might have shared on headlines before about the um, man who um, um, uh, the morning after the OU um, proclaimed that uh, no more kiddish clubs in uh, OU Shoals. He was the president of one of the larger OU shuls, and he calls up the, um, you know, the officer at the OU who is behind that, that change in policy. And he starts screaming. He says, you know, Jewish men have only very limited joy in their lives. We work like crazy to pay these crazy kind of um, yeshiva tuitions. We have incredibly, incredibly difficult kinds of uh, lives. And for, you know, the 10 minutes, once a week, we go out just before the rabbi's drusha, and we have a couple of shots of scotch or a couple of shots of uh, other drinks. And then we come back or we'll relax for the rest of davening. And he says, you want to take that away from us? That's the last place where I could have any joy in my life. So two weeks later, he calls up the OU officer is Rabbi Krupka. I think he allows me to quote him on that, who's now, um, you know, um, you know, one of the heads of uh, Tura. He calls up Rabbi Krupka and he says, I have to ask for Mechila. He says, last night I took my son to uh, Madison Square Garden to watch the Knicks play. And there were a group of uh, college kids in front of us who were downing one beer after another, after another. So I figured it's a teachable moment. So I turned to my 15-year-old son. I say, you see what fools you make, make of yourself when you get drunk like that? And he said, and my son looked at me and he said, Abba, he said, that's exactly the way you and your friends look when you come back from Kiddush Club every Shabbos morning. And Nifna spoke Eris Shalachna. He, he literally cut through him like a knife. And he had the humility to say, boy, did I make a mistake? And his show went dry that coming Shabbos and to this day is still dry. Interesting. So, yeah. That's the modeling issue that you mentioned to children. I, I was at shul here and there was somebody smoking in the outside, despite the fact that there's a big sign up that says there's no smoking in the entire chatzar, the entire courtyard, somebody's smoking there. And I said, you know, by the way, that's not good for your health and you're not supposed to be smoking here. And how about your kids? How about your kids? And he says, they're too young to really realize. So, so what would you respond to that if, if the kids are even three, four, five? Yeah, kids start modeling as young as that. They start modeling at an incredibly, incredibly young age. I have some toddlers living with us during COVID, and it's amazing to me, you know, what they'll, what they'll, um, you know, pick up and what they'll model in a way that I would, I mean, not in a negative way necessarily, but they, they, everything has, has an impact. And I think there's a certain amount of hair gold that takes over. This is part of what they grow up with. And you're not modeling responsible kind of substance use, alcohol use or whatever, the kids, the kids are going to pull that in. Now, and now these parents, I, and I asked this father that I said, do you care? I was curious because he's smoking 
maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's, he's okay with his kids smoking. So maybe he wasn't concerned about the modeling. I said, you, would you mind if your child smoked? And he said, I would. So what, what would you say to these parents? Do you think they care that the children may model or because they're doing it and they don't view it as so bad? What does it matter if their children will do it? Well, I, I think that if people are being honest to themselves, you know, I think there could be a lot of defensiveness, but deep down, I think many people uh, realize that this is that this is wrong, and even uh, even as much as uh, the beginnings of Hakara Sachet, the parents recognizing that this is not great modeling for my kid, which I think many people do at some level. I think it's the beginning of the process. You know, psychologically, you talk about stages of change. So you want to go from pre-contemplation, where you're not even thinking it's a problem, to contemplation. Some hakara sachet, I'm thinking about it, to ultimately being ready, ready to change. And I think that um, part of that process is to gently talk to people the way you did about what some of your concerns are. And you don't know, it may be pushing them, you know, as long as you're not being too preachy, you know, um, it could push them a little bit along towards uh, where they need to be in terms of uh, better chinuch. Right, right. And the, and the other thing that you mentioned is, is the wife and the uh, conflict or tension that this causes between them. If, if we have a wife, and this was a text from, from a wife, and at the end of the day, she said, women fight back. How, how should a woman handle when she has a husband who is smoking hookah, alcoholing, gambling, could be marijuana, and critical to a relationship between a husband and wife is, is respect, and especially that a wife respect the husband, um, and there would be a void here in that area. How should a, a woman handle such a thing? And th- this is also a little bit, I think, more complicated, because if there's an issue between a husband and a wife, that's one thing. But here, it's his social life, and it's his friends, and it'd be removing him from that whole social context. So h- how should a wife handle something like this? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd be careful. You know, if the tone is women fight back, that's not necessarily the way you're going to get change. People only change if they feel loved and accepted for who they are. And the process is going to be much more shaped by the Amin Makareves of bringing them closer and calm discussions, sharing in a non-attacking um, way how you feel, um, that's that's the way maybe you could get change. But a fighting back is almost a sure recipe for resistance or even your husband pretending to do to be doing what you want him to do. And it's going to go underground. There are plenty of places where where uh, men can, you know, look what happens during the summer when the women are in their bungalow colonies and the men go wild, um, you know, you know, uh, in their homes in, in, um, in, uh, in Jersey and New York City. Um, so I, I'd, I'd be careful about that. But you're right. I mean, it calls for a calm, um, serious discussion that also um, is more likely to lead to some change if you try to really get in, 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 in an understanding way into his head. What's this all about? Um, are you, is this a way you deal with the tension of your job and of everything else? Can we talk about other ways? Could maybe we go biking together to get ready for the next uh, high lifeline um, uh, um, you know, race? But, but there's so many more constructive ways of dealing with this. Tread lightly. Tread lightly. Tread lightly and carry a small stick. Not a small big stick. stick. I wasn't going to say a big stick like President yeah. Truman. We're going to carry a, a toothpick. Right, right. Dr. Pelkowitz, I want to thank you so much again for joining us. Always a pleasure. My pleasure.
Joining us now is Rabbi Avraham Neuberger. Rabbi Neuberger is the Rav of Congregation Shari Tfila of New Hempstead and the author of Positive Vision. He is also the chief editor of the recently published first volume of Sefer Chovetz Chaim, put out by Artscroll together with the Chovetz Chaim Heritage Foundation. Rabbi Neuberger, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So My Rabbi- pleasure. It's a, my pleasure. I got to tell you, it's it's been uh, two three years since since we had you on, so it's it's nice to it's nice to see you again. But I was on with Rav David in between. Ah, okay. I, I, <laughs> okay. I'm sure I heard the show. I'm sure I heard it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a day old thing. So, so Rabbi Noberger, I've heard from friends on the East Coast, and and you happen to be from the East Coast about indeed uh, the real East Coast yeah. about drinking, vaping, vacationing with the boys, various activities. And, and obviously, we're not going to talk about your shul because your shul obviously has no issue. So we'll talk about the shul across <laughs> the These activities are, are more often associated with frat houses and secular universities rather than Klal Yisrael. So, um, Obviously, it's something that we need to discuss, and hopefully, we'll give some answers as how to, if these activities exist, they um, hopefully will cease. And and just uh, my first question is the Mitzias is what are you seeing out there? Not in your shul again. What are you hearing? And are Rabbanim getting questions on these issues about uh, maybe a wife calling up saying my husband is uh, using X, Y, and Z, or is this something that that you're seeing when people get out of the shul across the street after the kiddush and that uh, you see them been drinking? a little bit too much. Yeah, there, there's for sure a, a culture that, a, of this that's that been going on and been increasing over the years. Um, again, you, you, you smooth with, with Rabbanim amongst each other, never and horror, of course, but, you know, in general terms. And uh, there's for sure a problem of, now different oilers have different type of problems. Some have drinking, some have vaping, and, uh, you know, the partying. There's, there, there is such a culture. Um, I will say that as the Balabatim get older, they mature. So, you know, it's, we're, we're talking about like the young Rayah, the young hotshot, you know, making the money, the nouveau rich, if, like they, if that's the way to pronounce it, you know, they they may be more tempted by this and maybe showing off to each other, that type of thing. And as they get older, then they, they mature. They they realize after you role models for their children. And there's nothing like uh, the oil of raising a family to make you own your own life more sober, literally. And uh, yeah, as you see, they, the end, yeah, they, they, sober yeah. Up, they sober up in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. for sure. Yeah. Now, would you say that these are specific behaviors, be it drinking, vaping, and uh, going on trips with the boys, are, are they specific behaviors of a concern or is this something that is a, a, a larger issue emblematic of a lifestyle of a balabais right now? Like, what, what would you say is-, is well, well, it's like this, you know, I think you have, to, you have to really expand this into a much larger question uh, that maybe you could even, you don't expand it so large that they could like make three shows out of one, <laughs> out of one uh, issue, but you know, it's, it's for sure emblematic of a certain hollowness. It's it, that it, it's looking for a satisfaction in all the wrong places. To quote a song I never heard, you know uh, that, the, that the idea is that 
you know, the Rani Kirish al Kimli Taiv, and there's a Begama Nefesh like Timole, there's no end of sources that we as humans have this great spiritual need to fill us up. A, sp- a search for meaning, an existential question that what are we here for? And it's like drives us crazy. It's fascinating. Somebody, I, I, I speak to one of my Balabat in Shul, and he says, This search for meaning is torture. And for Jews, it's torturous. For like, like, you can, out of all. Out of all the minanushi, why why are we here? What what are we doing here? What's our tachlis abriya? It drives you crazy. I always say, you know, I I was once talking about this with Jonathan Rosenblum actually, and you know, I was saying that if there's one thing that doesn't seem to stem with evolutionary uh, theory, the survival of the fittest and the the qualities that most give a person's capacity of surviving is the ones that survive, right? Are the ones that persevere. But this type of mutation, that if you believe in that type of idea, that a person needs a search for meaning, right? That's such a weird thing for survival. It drives you crazy. You land on not doing things. It doesn't make you live longer. It gets in your way. You develop a conscious and you, and you waste your wherewithal on all sorts of things besides food and and preserving your species. In other words, if that if the idea of of I think like this is the g- biggest kasha on evolution is that we have this driving need to find why we're here for. Like we, how did that develop? And if it developed some sort of some sort of mutation, if you believe in that, why didn't it go away? Because the guys who didn't have that, who don't, have no conscious and no internal vision, so just beat up the other guys who are driving themselves crazy. In other words, I think that it's such an internal need that we have to fill our lives with meaning. And what happens is, again, to, to, I don't want to expand the conversation too big, but let's say in, in, in pre-war Europe, uh, the, the community was created out of Kehillus. And Kehillus had this automatic bonding type of feeling and it brings everybody together. It gives you a sense of security, a sense of meaning. You belong to somebody. You have a rove. You have you're part of a, a whole structure. It has value. And then we come to America, and America has no kahilas. Really, it has kahilas, and 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 the system changes from being a kahilas world to a yeshiva's world. You know, and and you and you most associate yourself to yeshiva, not to your kahila. That's not true in the Hasidic world. Happens to be, but in the in in the, in the literature world, that's for sure true. That you're more associated to your to more yeshiva than you to kahila when you're younger, and then you leave yeshiva, and then what? And now, and there was no transitioning. There was no formation, and and then you have people who are who are floundering because they're not part of the kahila. They have to form a kahila. They have to become something, and their and their training was not in that world. Their training was in the yeshiva world, where they're no longer part of it. So you have people who are searching for themselves. So I think what happened was, if I could just be a so, sociologist, or so, that word is, sociologist, is that when people first came to America and to the new land, like the Meshachachma talks about, the first generation that comes in sets the roots. In the, the famous Meshachachma, the first generation sets the roots, the next generation builds on that, and then the third one starts rebelling because what's, what's their yechidus? What we were up to. In other words, it was the first generation, the generation of geniuses that came here, you know, the... And, and every sphere, if you, if you go from Hasidus to Litvish to Wayu to any world that you went to, we were, we, Lubavitch, Hasidus, it was, we were led by, first generation was like tremendous 
geniuses, Agasha Bear and the Lababacha Rebbe and the Satma Rebbe and Rabbi Ankhalder and Rabbi Kamneska and Moshe Feinstein, these Blue Rebbe, they're all these huge, huge people. And they set ground and, and they set a foundation to rebuild. And then the next generation expanded it and concretized that vision. But then what? Now, now where is the passion for you know for that creativity going to go to? So it searches and 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 they try to find, and, and when people feel hollow, they have different ways of trying to fill up that hollowness. And materialism is an ism also. It's a, it's a very misguided ism, but it's an ism. Like as if I if I get enough stuff and if I drink enough and I feel, well, if I, if I materialize enough to, as, as if there's going to fill that gap, which obviously that's not going to fill you up. But that's that just seems to me like there's this yawning gap. They're uh, uh, trying to fill a void and they feel so you drink it away or you try to buy stuff and I don't know. And, and it's and and it's just it's all it's all counterfeit. And, right. I, and I think that's what drives the 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 the, the problem. Right now, now historically, let's let's talk about people who are working. You know, Abal yeah. Abbas. I assume that's where the issue is. I yeah. people are learning in in Kolel there. Hopefully, uh, they, they, hopefully yeah. they don't have the void. Hopefully, so so right. so. so uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, um, but but what 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 kept those people? I know we had the, the luminaries, the great Gedolim of the prior generation. But the people who were working somehow filled a void. And nowadays, it seems something has changed for those who are uh, working or not fully in in engrossed. In, in their learning. So, what, what was the shift here? Again, so I, I think I think uh, uh, part of that shift is is the, that we're not in the in that sphere of creating the foundation. It's less exciting to build on what's already there than on what what pre exists. So then, in a sense, that's not going to get that's not going to uh, float your boat. That's not going to not going to get you excited. I think that's uh, that's part of it. Um, and Again, again, I, I think also what, what changes is the fact that I mean I don't know if you're talking over the course of the last uh, twenty years. Uh, I guess that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's uh, I think that's primarily the the the, the message. And I, another problem is that the yeshivas don't necessarily focus on what a balabas needs when he gets when he transitions out of the yeshiva world to the to the work world. Now my feeling is not I don't live in the Hasidic world, so it's hard to know. But the Hasidim, at least their messaging is a type of messaging that should be able to, to be projected for a Balabas in a meaningful way. In other words, they're, they're, they're very upfront about and there's Kedusha and everything, and there's a, a sense of connection through Tfilah, they're much more into the Dvekas, the Hergish, the Ish, all these type of things that create a society of Kedusha is very much built into their culture. But in the yeshiva world, where it's very intellectual and much more, much more Gemara-based, and you know, you have to get inspiration from the Gishmak and learning. So then what? So then when you leave and you're just not in that world anymore, so then you're a fish out of water. You know, that's the that's there's the lack of transitioning and training that we have to sort of refocus on. And maybe, you know, the problem is, I guess, you don't want it's like a different world. The Shiva world is, is correct in viewing their their life as being an, ins- an insulated world. And you do want to insulate the boys. That's part of the training is that, the, is that you insulate them from the outside world. But at the same time, you have to give them the tools and a perspective on Yiddishkeit that can be projected once you get married. That you should still feel connected 
without being in an insulated environment. And that, that has to be worked on. Now, if the, is that is that only through Hasidus? I can't imagine that's true. There's there's, there's a lot of different ways of, uh, of of being connected. It could be through Musa. It could be it could be through it could be through learning also. I mean, a lot of people get get it through Dafyemi, but even that Dafyemi, not gonna that's not encouraged in Yeshiva. That, whatever whatever tools you need when you're out of that insulated environment has to already be rooted when you're in that environment. When they're in the yeshiva, there has to be some sort of system where we're looking ahead and we're empowering our bachrim when we get out to become balabatim that remain connected. And so, I think so it has to be focused in the yeshiva world. Yeah. So you're saying basically two things. Number one, there's no uh, preparation. There's no education preparing them for life after yeshiva. And that's one of our Lopiansky's safer was, uh, is, is, is meant to do. Um, right. And hopefully uh, we can make some sales for Rabbi Lopiansky by promoting the book. Um, right. so, so, so read the book and it helps with that transition. And, and also just intrinsically from going from total immersion in learning to not mm-hmm. being in that immersion is it's really like a fish, literally a fish out of water. Your oxygen is taken away and to go from 10, 12 hours a day of learning down to one, two, or maybe unfortunately none Right. Uh, that 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 is uh, that's a, that's a traumatic transition. Right, right. And it takes a, a Herculean effort really to find time. Let's say, let's say in Muncie, a lot of people commute. Right. That means you're going to be in. You got to get up at six o'clock in the morning just to jot down in Shachris and get on the bus and to get to work at nine o'clock and then come on seven o'clock at night. You're wiped out from the from the traveling from this. It, it's an, uh, tremendous. And you have, to, you have to you have to be a husband and a father also. It's it's really challenging. You know so that. That's this part of COVID was actually the good part that less people are commuting. You know, it's, it's true that they have more time for themselves in a sense. Yeah, but That's it's awful. Right. Yeah, it's very, it's a very, effective, uh... and they have to, and we have to give them a message how they're still, they're still part and parcel and vital and integral to, to Yiddishkeit, even though you, can't, you don't have the same amount of time to learn. You know, whatever you're doing is amazing, and you're still connected, and in the sense of dvekus and connection. I mean, when I was in yeshiva, I never heard, I don't think, talking about a relationship with Hashem. That is like new age talk, but it's so necessary. And I don't think that in the world of the Hasidish world, that was that that that, that is a surprising way. I mean, they, they, talk, they, they don't say word relationship, they say Dvekas, whatever it is. But you know, it's in Mashiach Shasharim, then Mashiach Shasharim, the, 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 the Rabbi Shmuel Shapiro used to sing a song as he was going to Daven. He was a Bamanagan, a literature song that I don't think we much appeal nowadays, but he used to sing a song as he was going to Darwin about how he's called when you talk to Hashem, it's as if you're having a conversation. And he made a he made a song out of it. He used to sing it to himself as he went to Darwin. You know, so it's there, but it has to be part of the educational uh, you know speaking about having a relationship with Hashem and that 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 could certainly exist afterwards. Yeah. That could persevere. And that's the first thing we wake up to is Modeani Kayam. So uh, yeah. We just have to be thinking about it throughout the day, Shavisi Asem Negdi Sami, and even when somebody's at, at on the job. L- let me ask you, Rabbi Neuberger. So, so we have this disconnect. Indeed, we we have this disconnect when we get out there to the uh, to the world, and we see that void is being filled by vaping, alcohol, and various other um, activities and behaviors that we shouldn't be mentioning on the on the on the. Uh, 
Right. The show here, and certainly not a Mishpacha magazine. You're the Rav of Mishpacha magazine, so yeah. we don't want to get you in trouble for mentioning anything that shouldn't be in the magazine. But, but how about when we have learning, and obviously we need to inspire people to continue learning. And if they are getting their enjoyment or filling that void through the vaping and the uh, freshly rolled cigars and the smoking, etc., high-end um, alcohol, how about combining the two? And if I, this is happening in some places, we want to recruit people to come to the learning. If we make it the attraction, it used to be the, the bagel breakfast, and then it became the, uh, the, 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 the chont Thursday night. And now it's the uh, freshly rolled cigars and the uh, high end single malt whiskey. Is that an appropriate way to do that? Can we say or is, is this a, like a more of a shot in his problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's so bad. You know, um, I once spoke in my shul and I said a line that I knew was supposed to be, that was going to be provocative, which is why I said it. And that is people say that a shul is not supposed to be a social hall. And I think that a shul should be a, a social hall, but not during davening. In other words, they, when, if you're a boss and, and you're going to work and you're out of the house the whole week long and your society is people that you're working with, who should be your social sphere if not your shul? So... The shul has to be a social circle. That has to be what, and it has to provide for that. And there has to be, there has to be a kiddush after davening and smoothing and going to each other's houses. It's all great. That should be your society as your other members of the shul. That's a wonderful thing. And if you, if, if society is now getting a geschmack out of rolled cigars, okay, it's not the worst thing. You, you, can, you can roll your eyes at rolled cigars. Big deal. But to you, but but to get people to bond over learning and, and the real stuff, that's fine. I don't see Dexlo Solishma as a real thing. You know, it, it's not like it's so but the evidence it says it's There's no other way to do of going about it. You can't ask anybody to start with Lishma. It, it will never last and it, 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 it's meaningless. La'ilam, you always have to start with Lishma and and everything that we do. And uh, you go to the, you wake up six o'clock in the morning for the dafyami. You know, of course, a, a large part of that it, it, it's tremendous. It's also the fact that you're part of the club of dafyami. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that, that's a, 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 a dafyami people. That's it's all club, but also shall I respond to that? So, I hear you know, if Daf Yomi at 6 a.m., we'll have a coffee and uh, we'll pull around a little bit, we'll have a good time, you know. Yeah, I say that in the morning, you know, it's part of the schmuck, it's a club. That's 100% that's part of it, yeah. Very good. Now, Rabbi Newberger, as a member of the Ted Chinuch Roundtable, so yeah. I guess more of a chinuch question now. Uh, we have the the women seem to stay connected more naturally than the men. The men yeah. have void. Women uh, just something is is innate, more natural. And I wanted to get your feedback if if you think that's correct. And if so, what can the men learn for the women, or is it simply we're genetically different? Although most many people in this world deny that there's a difference between men and women. Uh, I don't know. They, that's they a, that's a conversation for another show. Doing, actually, I think that conversation is actually part of the show. If you want to, if you can go off topic, a drop. You know. Okay, but I'll come back to your to your point in a second about men and women. I have something to say about the morale, but let me let me just get off topic. You know. You just made this joke about uh, gender identity, right? You know, I, I used to be, I used to, uh, I was a Rebbe in the yeshiva, and I commuted with a Hasidic guy. 
And whenever a topic would come up that was like too American, like whatever, you know, we, we start societal wars, you know, culture wars in, in the car the whole time. And he would say, ah, pizza, pizza, you know, like, but that was, that was a dismissive term of anything that was too American. It was like, it all fell under the category of pizza. And I used to tell him, pizza is a cold word. You're being intellectually lazy. Tell me exactly what's wrong with this modernity. Let's try to break it down. But the only thing is that I think we as a society are guilty of that in a sense when we look at this whole gender question because the, the kasha on it is so obviously blatant that it's, it's a polar question. It's a, either you're A or B. And not, they can't choose between A and B. One plus one is not equal to three. So the question is so blatant and so obvious and was so, so we just dismiss it. But I think we're missing something because... How could it be then that so much of society is actually embracing this? And, and that when you, when you fill out a form, a government form, you actually have to choose. Like, it's, so, it's such an obvious kasha. That means that the force behind it must be so strong that even though it's one plus one equals three, whatever is motivating this with, with stupidity has to be such a strong kasha that it's, it's overcoming that kasha. It's, 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 it's overriding this one plus one equals three. It doesn't make a difference. There's some sort of, so I think we have to stand back and try to motivate and try to understand it. I, 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 I would like to wonder, what's going on? And I think that my, what, what's going on is something like this. In other words, if you look, our world is always like 30 years behind what goes on in the Gaiusha world. You know, there's, there's a famous phrase, Vies Kristelzich is Yidelzich, like, what 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 happens in the in the in the Christian world happens in the Jewish world, but it happens like much later. So if the rampant materialism like that defined the eighties, so thirty years later that uh, whatever eighties that's that's now we're catching up. That's like stupid walls and garden these types of things. Okay, but but I think what happened was when materialism didn't work for the Gaius world. In other words, they 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 realized that even after getting whatever they wanted and more and more stuff. They didn't feel satisfied, and Gamma never slayed Again, yet they felt this void. We're talking about a world without any God or any religion or anything. So then, I think what happens is that you start looking. Okay, so it's not happening from outside. So let me instead the new the new religion. Let me see how things, how I experience the world. Who am I? Just like a new religion. I could, in other words, how 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 are things imp- impacting on me? How is it's about? It's all about self exploration. And that became like a new religion. Self-exploration is a new religion because I, the outside stuff is not is not is not affecting me. So let me look at myself from the inside and try to find myself, and maybe that'll give my life meaning. I think I think that's, and that became such a religion now. You know who I am. That's my meaningful. So you can't even ask a kasha on it. It's like it's like asking a kasha on religion. You can't talk religion in the office. You can't talk. This is a religion. Self-exploration. So it's such a strong motivating force. It's, again, trying to fill this view. What, fill this void of what I'm here. So once you throw religion out the garbage and you throw communism out and then you throw uh, materialism out to so what's left. So there's a new religion. Who am I? Self-exploration is a new religion. Again, it, it's just it's all these counterfeit types of ways of finding, filling the void of what I'm here for. But we, Baruch Hashem, we have a Torah, we Sinai, we have a Kodesh Baruch, we have the Vekas, but he covers a too many types. And all this, the same way the rolled cigars and the vaping and this, We'll just counterfeit and we'll never get anywhere. If we don't reroute it, then we're heading down the same craziness that the, that the secular world is, that the Mishagas. And that's what goes on. I mean, 
Okay. Yeah, I thought that was my... Uh... Very interesting. What you're saying in, is that they're just trying to fill the void and, and they keep trying in different ways and they haven't found the right way to fill the void. And this is just the next nourish kite. You know, we used to say that they're so open-minded, their brains have fallen out. And, and exactly. I think that's, that's the one plus one is three because there's no brain left anymore. So that's why they're at three at this point. The soul is so empty that the new religion is to try to find out who I am, how things impact upon me. It's like bizarre. But you see, you see how strong that motivation is. You know, the, the fact that we have to find why, we, why we're here. It's a fascinating thing. And, and, and so we have all these types of distractions and material, all these isms. But at the, at the end of the day, nothing works. I'm really curious about human beings. That's the only thing that really, you know, can fill it. Oh, now again, I'm sorry. I keep saying, get back to your... your hey, baby. Okay. Yes. Okay, I'll tell you what, I came across a morale once years ago. And the morale says, he discusses um, the Gemara that says that... Um, how are women because since our Torah is they're not Mokhiv and Talmud Torah what are they so it said the Shus is because they wait for the husbands to come back from learning and they send the children out to school yeah. and the Gemara says in that same Gemara in Brachas where was it they have a greater haftacha, something like that, calm women, something like that. So the morale says, I don't get it. Men have El Marba, women have a supporting role. So how is that? How do you have a greater haftacha? He says a fascinating thing, if I understand correctly, it's in Tresheshwell, I think. He says as follows He says, that men are b'nei kibush. They have this need to conquer, to, to impose their will, to analyze, to break things down. That's the nature of a man. And women's nature is, is sha'anon, to be calm, to be accepting, not to, be, not to break things down. They're mekablim more than breaking things down. What he says is that hayoyim la'asoysam l'mach l'kabra means that this is a world of manasiyah, of, of doing, and Elam Haba is a world of Kabbalah Schar. So he says women's mindset is naturally more in frequency with the Elam Haba frequency than men is, because it's, 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 it's a time of Kabbalah Schar, Elam Haba is a time of Kabbalah Schar, so women automatically are more in touch with the Elam Haba, and that, it, it, they're, they're naturally more spiritual. And because that's that's I don't have the time to muckle a car. If I would if I would take it a drop further, you know, we always there's always a distinction between the arts and the sciences, right? Uh, beauty and the, the scientists when you have a problem, you have to break it down, you have to attack it, you have to, you know, Gamara, the way we learn Gamara, right? Or it could be math, it could be anything. And the, the, the artistic experience is much more in associated in the cave of mind. It's like how things impact upon you, beauty, how things impact. You stand back, you'll see how the music affects you, how the music, it's, it's, it's art is sort of like a frequency of Elam Haba, which therefore the women are automatically more in touch with the spiritual aspect of this world. So yeah, it, it takes, it, that and says the morale, that's why, because men to conquer their nature of kibush. They require the Torah that demands that type of mindset of 
breaking things down. And whereas women, they're naturally, they need less to get to El Mahaba because they're naturally more in the frequency. They're more naturally in that frequency. Yeah. So what we have to learn, just one, one point, is we see that in Halacha also. For example, in Hilchas Tzedakah, one who inspires others to give Tzedakah, it's a greater mitzvah than one who actually gives the Tzedakah. So we see right. that, uh, that concept in, in mitzvahs as well. And I guess what, what, what we're, we're taking away from this is, is there anything that the men can learn from the women? It means we're going to have to work harder to, to fill yeah. that void because it comes natural to them. It doesn't come natural to us, and we have to make up for that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And you have to, now part of it, again, the, the morale is talking in terms of, of getting it through learning itself. And for sure, it, um, you know, learning, and, and, and I believe that, and this is, you know, Dafyemi has this tremendous mile of, of uh, you, once you're on the, on the treadmill, you can't get off, which is, you know, which is great. But learning B.E. and does, does inspire more connection, you know, it, it's much harder, but, you know, again, but it, it, it depends on the person, really. Not everybody's cut out for it, and that can't be the, certainly that can't be the only formula. It has to be, you know, the 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 world of Hasidus has a lot to offer in, in when it comes to the, this type of connection that we're talking about, but it can't be only that, and, and there's a lot of other ways of, of being connected. It can be through Trila, through Musa, through anything that you're willing to put an effort into. It, it, one thing is clear, that you're not going to get connected by sitting back. It has to be something that we work on, and then you get connected to it, and then then you'll find the satisfaction that you're looking for. And even if you want to have the learning with that cigar, that's okay, as long as you're learning. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Rabbi Neuberger. <laughs> okay, right. Put that in the headlines, okay. Rabbi <laughs> Newberger, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, really, um, okay. I, I came on thinking that you're going to say that you shouldn't be having your cigar when learning, and, and that was a big chiddush to me. And I'm uh, a <laughs> mekabel, and thank you so much. Okay, okay. just send me one. Uh, uh, what's it called? Columbia? What, uh, what, what are they called? What are the best ones from? I, I'm sure I can locate someone in Israel. You know, that, 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 somewhere to buy. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. at Machana Yehuda they have them. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Joining us now is Rabbi Yisachar Friend. Rabbi Friend indeed needs no introduction, so I'll make it more personal. Rabbi Friend, I have been a Talmud of yours for 30 years. You didn't know about it for a couple decades of that. And I will tell you that uh, starting probably 33 years ago, we used to buy your cassette tapes. This is the old technology. And we used to share share the cassettes and... and uh, we used to try to listen to every single shear we could get a hold of. So, in fact, uh, everyone doesn't know this, but we're, we, we can see each other. We're on Zoom. They'll just get the audio. But indeed, I do have some of the cassettes that I'm showing Rabbi Fran right now. I have number an early one, number 63. I had a box of all of these cassettes. Number 63, Chukas Balak, Intermarriage. I just pulled a selection out. Number 214. Chai Isora Pilegish, an alternative to marriage, number 478. I mean, this is this is vintage Rabbi Fran cassette tape. So Rabbi Fran, it is absolutely a privilege and pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, Rabbi Fran, uh, we are talking about uh, a topic that it's unfortunate that we have to talk about. Um, I was approached by a couple of people on this topic, and, and they told me that in their neighborhoods, I live in Eretz you live in Baltimore, uh, and, and it's not talking about either of those neighborhoods, but in their prominent neighborhoods, uh, they are seeing an interesting from, phenomenon of from men, yeshivish men, very yeshivish men, leaders of the communities, 
indulging. Indulging in what? Smoking, vaping, cigars, expensive liquors, men's vacations, and who knows what else. And wanted to get your take because I have listened to you and your hashkafas over the years, and they have had a significant impact on me. And I always enjoy what you have to say. So before getting into those specific issues, I do want to take a step back and talk about historically what has kept a man connected to Yiddishkeit, especially as he gets out into the workplace. What's been the, um, the oxygen that has kept him connected and away from the vices of the world? Well, that's a, that's a simple question. I mean, it's a simple answer. I don't know if it's a simple question, but it's a simple answer. And uh, the, the answer is that a person's connection to Tyra is, is the best antidote to, uh, to these type of Nisianis. And, um, you know, I assume that most of the people that you're talking about, you know, were in yeshiva, were serious people when they were in yeshiva, and, and yet this is becoming, uh, I don't know, I don't know numbers, but it's becoming what seems to me from what you hear on the street, a widespread phenomena. I, I don't, listen, I don't have the statistics, etc. but I, I would doubt that if a person is really, is really connected to learning does not stamiate this is I'm not uh, a sheer here or there or Mavra Sedra. If he's really connected to Torah, then that would be the best antidote. And so the the antidote is is the Torah. The question is, what, why does this happen? So I think you know there's an expression in Yiddish, which means what happens in the non-Jewish world and the Gentile worlds seeps into into our world as well and as much as we think that we're isolated and insulated um you know it's uh it just seeps in you know when when i was growing up uh you know expensive whiskey was uh j J and b uh i don't remember that but uh i do i I do not that i ever drank it but i do remember it so uh, you know, they said it stands for, it stood for Jewish booze. You know, that's what <laughs> Rashi Tevet JNB. I mean, I don't drink. I don't, I, I don't drink Mapashita. I just I can't stand it. I, I, that's so, uh, but, you know, okay, you know, and you people, you went to, you went to a Hasana, you made a Lachai and this and that. But now, with these single malt liquors and, you know, uh, Bottles that cost uh, two or three hundred dollars a bottle, and uh, it's a, it's a way of it's a way. I think it's a way of showing I've arrived. You know, I can afford I, I can afford this, and um, it's it's the, the the secular world. I mean, you see this in the secular world. You know, all the parties involved drunkenness, or a lot of you know people get drunk. You hear these stories. You hear. These stories of uh, non-Jewish weddings of you know the the, uh, the father of the bride is plastered or the bride herself is and the chos- so uh, that that seeps in that seeps into our society so it's I think it's a combination of I can show that I'm rich you know I uh, I, I want to show I can afford a such a bottle and I can afford, you know, the, uh, the cigars and this and that again, that's a pleasure that, uh, I, I, I never got into. I, the cigar smoke to me is a, a very, uh, turns me off. Uh, 
You know, um, you know, I was recently talking about someone, a, a Yid, the Mamasha guy had tremendous Avas uh, You know, this goes back to the 50s and 60s and 70s. He used to, he had a business. He used to come to the basement in the afternoon, this and the days before the Surgeon General. And he, he would chomp on a cigar, you know, uh, and he would smoke a, a cheap cigar in the basement. It stank, this and that. But today, you know, so, yeah, cigar bars and the, you know, what are they called humidor, humidors and this and that. It's all, this is what, the, this is how the non-Jewish world was that they've arrived and that they're, that they're sophisticated with their liquor and with their, and, and that's the way, that's the way it works. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, it trickles down to our children, you know, and, and when you go to, I mean, again, when you go to a chasana and and you see you see some people you know some some I'm not this is not a listen chasana not an indictment of yeshiva bacharim but some of them you know they see their their parents do it and 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 they and they drink liquor at uh, at, at these uh, at these chasanas and same goes for kiddushim you know uh, and, and it's 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 a horrible it's a horrible scenario I mean uh, you know. Here I live. You see, you know, I live in Baltimore. I don't live in Baltimore. I live in a. I live in a shtetl. You know, Yeshiva Lane. Yeshiva Lane. I mean, I think they're nine. They're not so like 90, 90 apartments, townhouses. It, it's all benetera, all serious, serious benetera. There's just no, no such thing. But uh, one of my children was recently in uh, recently in town, and and my daughter-in-law was shocked, shocked. How how inebriated you know, people go from kiddish to kiddish, you know, and and they're and they're and they're barely walking home. There's they're they they can stagger home. And and what it, what it, what an awful it is to the person's wife or the person's children. You know, school ends at what eleven o'clock, eleven thirty, something like that, and they don't know pull in until who knows when one two o'clock. And when they get come home, they're they're half drunk. And they fall asleep at the meal, and, and, and this is what the wife prepared for. This is what the children see. So uh, you know, if people saying that uh, it seems so, it seeps down to the yeshiva world. It's because they see it at home. Right. But um, the answer to the original question is: the more the, the stronger kesher you have to learning, and that learning means I'm a ben tyra. A ben tyra doesn't do this. And, uh, you know, a person says, I want to maintain my reputation as a Ben Taira. Ben Taira don't do this. You know, I, people that do this are from, and they learn to the yeshivas, this and that. But that's not what I call living the life of a, of a Ben Taira. So Ben Taira doesn't engage in this. Right. So, Rabbi Friend, boy, boys, Bachrim in yeshiva, what have you seen historically when they have maybe implemented certain things when in yeshiva to ensure success when they get out of yeshiva? And are those uh, techniques, methods, what aids would you give them nowadays to say, this is something you have to work on while in yeshiva in order to ensure or uh, maybe buttress your success when you get out of yeshiva? <sighs> Well, um, you know, today there are a couple of there are a couple of very good svarim out there that I recommend. Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky, who's the Rashiva in Silver Spring, um, ben, uh, ben Torah for Life. 
a Bentara for Life, which addresses this very issue. I'm learning now with on, on Sunday mornings, rather than saying the, the, the Gemara Shir, I, I have every year I have a Limud. I learned with my Shir. This year we started a Limud called Ben Ben Ali Ba'ilama Parnosa. Ba'ilama Parnosa. It's written by a, a Rav in Detroit. His name is Rabbi Klein. The, the most of the most of the most of the guys in my Shir are going to wind up in the Olam Parnasa. They're not going to become Rosh Yeshivas. You know, they'll learn in Kailu a few years, but then they'll go out. So I'm trying to emphasize to them, don't let this happen to you. And, uh, you know, and uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, you know, these farms deal with this and that they have to be aware that, uh, they have to be aware that, these nisyanists are out there, and and uh, you know the one of the main the one of the main theses of this sefer is the concept of bechol drachecha do'el, and bechol do'el means that no matter what endeavor a person is engaged as as mundane as eating or sleeping, and certainly as uh, you're practicing law or you're a computer programmer, you, you have to try to, to infuse. With the concept of I'm doing Avedis Hashem uh, because this is what Rebbeinu wants me to do. Uh, he wants me to be able to support my family, etc. So I try to emphasize this to them and know that you know it's it's tough out there and there are all sorts of nisyanus and and it's being addressed today because you know uh, 30 years old, 20 years old, you don't have to really address this so much. Right. It's the first halacha in Shulchan Aruch. That's correct. Right. I mean, it's, it's a Rabbam also, you know. Very good. Okay. Well, Rabbi Fran, always a pleasure to have you. Any parting words with, for the uh, Tzibor listening in for us? Um, Remember it. Remember it. Very good, Rabbi. You can, elevate, you can elevate the most quotidian and mundane activities into, into, into Avedis Hashem. If you go to work and you think, I said in my ksuba, when I gave to my wife under the chuppah, and therefore I'm working, I'm working for social security, or I'm working for, for uh, I don't know, uh, for NASA, or I'm working for, you know, uh, the, uh, the law firm of Venable, and etc. whatever you may be doing. I'm doing this to support my wife and children to send them to send them to Cheder. And therefore, I'm making money, but I'm making money because I have a chiv to make money to support my wife and my family and to be them and to give tzedakah. And if, if you keep them, your eye on the ball, uh, then you'll be all right. Rabbi Thran, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Okay. Always a pleasure to be with you. And chazak ve'amatz and, you know, you your work is invaluable, and you sit there over there in your library in Misham Tetzi Hayrali Yisrael. Thank you so much. Before going off the air, I just wanted to announce on behalf of David the winners of last week's riddles. The winners are as follows, and I apologize if I uh, don't say any of the names correctly. David Birnbaum, Jared Antstandig, Label Gelkoff, 
Samuel Absfeld, we have quite a number of them, Shmuel Wurzberger, Shurli Modis, Sam Pitter, Moshe Marcus, Daniel Hanwerger, Nachum Karnas, Simcha Rosenblatt, and Abba Walk, Yashakoach, to all of you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. So last week's riddle was why? So we asked, if the Ikka Mitzvah's tefillin is to remember the Chayzik Yad, that was a Mitzrayim, why are Nashim a Chayyub They were also Nenner from the Chayzik Yad. A lot of people answered us that the Gemara in Kedushin Daflamet Hay says, that they were made a hekish kola tira kula tefillin. Just like tefillin was Mitzvah's Mangrama, same thing. And Nashim Apturais. So all Mitzvah Shazman Grama Nashim Apturais, but they didn't understand the Kasha. Our Kasha was, since the Pasik says Beferish, that it's a Beferish a Pasik. So a Hekish is always secondary to what's Beferish in the Pasik. So yeah, you can make a Hekish from Lamantia Tyrus Hashem Beficha to say just like Tyrus Pata, here you Pata. But a Hekish doesn't override a Pashtus de Kra. So we said, so call the Achnes. How do you make such a hekish to say that Nashim Apturis, as Mitzvah Shazmangaram, you learn from Taras Hashem Beficha, when the Pasik says Beferish, that they are Mechoyev. So a hekish wouldn't override a Beferish Pasik. That was part of the Kasha. Well, a number of our respondents said that Taisim Psachim says that Nashim Apturim Misuka, Shitas Taisvis, is Afin Hayib Aisyanes. Is uh, only midrabanan. It's either either only on a mitzvah drabanan or it's only omidrabanan. So like Taisus, this kasha wouldn't start, which we would agree with. We would just ask that the rishonim that don't agree with Taisus, how would you, how would they understand it? So the Chassam Saifa, in a number of places, in both the Chidushim and the Shalos Shuvis, he says something very nice. He says Tfilaman are not just because of Yitzias Mitzrayim, but he says when two people love each other, they carry sort of like a, a memoriam of each other. Uh, the boy gives her a locket; he she gives him a watch. So he says the Rabbi was Maniach Tfilan. What does it say to Tfilan on Kaviachal? I would say Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echadim, and under Kaviachal it says Mika Amcha Yisrael. In other words, so the Yitzias Mitzrayim is really a sniff to mitzvah tefillin, but the ikka mitzvah tefillin is the memorial that we carry on each other of the other one. So therefore, he says, these are not the ikka mitzvah. Now, a Talmud Chacham Gadol, Reb Shmuel Wurzberger from Williamsburg, sent us something nifla that I'd never seen before, and he brings it from the father of the Adderis, Rabbi Yamin Rabinovich, Avbez de Nevilkamir. Uh, the Adderis was Vosayf Yom, if he, Reb Shmuel Salan brought him to be Rav in Yerushalayim, he was Rav in Panovich, he was the father-in-law of Rav Kook, Bezivigrishin. So the Adderis, he says, from the father of the Adderis, he says, that, the, he says, the Gemara says, Bishus Nashim Tzidkaniyais Negalo. It was, wasn't the men needed the women had it. Nashim Tzidkaniyais. They came out, they floated out of Mitzrayim. So he says, since the Pasuk says, Ki B'chayzik Yad, and the Tzvil Nazei Yad, he said, that must be just talking about the men. They needed the Chayzik Yad. The women didn't need a Chayzik Yad. That's why the Pata from Tzvilin. And then Adaris finishes, Hadvarim Kravim Emes. I'm sorry, the father of the Adaris finishes. Beautiful shot. Okay. The second question we asked, So the Gemara says, It says, So the question is, Our Pasuk says, Goes on the guy. 
is called Riyayu. So why is it different? We've got many people who said that the uh, from the Rabbeinu Bechaya, that Tulmat and Taira... If the Matan Taira, in other words, it's called Sinai. Why is it called Sinai? That separated us. If the Matan Taira, we don't find that they're Riyayu, beautiful tarots from the uh, Rabbeinu B'chaya. Here's the problem, by the way. Just It's a good tarot, you can't argue. But there's a, a, fa- a, fa- a steer in Rabbeinu B'chaya himself. That Rabbeinu B'chaya in Yisrael, and the Pasuk says, Leisane B'reyecha. Aid Shaker. So Rabbeinu B'chayi says, Leisana B'reyecha goes even on a guy you can't say Aid Shaker. He's also called Riyayu. And what, what does he say? He says, the Pasuk doesn't say Leisana B'achicha. Like it says, Leisashich L'achicha by Ribis. You can't charge Achicha Ribis, a guy you can. Or L'chol Avedas Achicha. Here it says, Leisana B'reyecha. So he says, Achicha means Loi Akam. Reyeu includes Akum, and that's why Leisashich B'reyecha does an Isid to say Hagodas Edith by a guy, negative guy also, in that Sarah Sadibris. And he brings a Raya. What's the Raya of Rabbeinu Bechaya? The Yishalu Ishmeyes Reyeu. And he says, that's Nemer B'Mitzrayim. So that's a Pella that the, uh, the Rabbeinu Bechaya is Saiser himself. So I would just say that those who answered this, they're correct, but I would now put on you a new riddle. Could you say a Teretz in the steer of Rabbeinu Bechaya, what he says here and what he says in, uh, in Yisrei Perichav Pasuk Yud Gimel. Okay, that's one possible Teretz. Now the Gra says a famous Teretz that the Hasidim all quote from the Gayan. Go figure. But the Gayan says that when a certain emotion or a certain Ha'ara is brought down in the world, everybody uh, sort of is Yoinik from it. So he says they wanted the guy to give the Jew so the Goyen says, what did they do? The Rabbani Shalom says, ask your fellow Jew to lend to you. Let the world be filled with a certainly like an air of chesed. And when that happens, then the guy will lend to you too. So the Reyeu is going on a Yisrael, not going on a guy. Now I wanted to say, a, a more, I think, a simple answer to the Kasha, which you could again, of course, agree or disagree on, is that when it says, What does it mean, Shireyeyu? It can't be his own Shire. He would be Pata. It had to be Shireyeyu. So it should just say, Right? Or, yeah, You have to pay. Who else? Do, if it's, 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 It has to be somebody else's. You're not going to be a Mazik to yourself. So when it says, It's extra. Well, we know it's talking about somebody else's Shire. Who could the Re'eyu in such a case be coming to be Mamayat? Well, be Mamayat and Akam. You know, by the way, the Evan Ezra says, Kashi says, Ki yikach shayresh shayreyeyu. What is Re'eyu? Who else could it be? So the Evan Ezra swings, Upirish ben Buta. So it was some type of uh, Mafirish in Evan Ezra's time. Shayreyeyu means a friend of the Shire, that the Shire has a friend. That your Shire is like, his friend the Shire. Said uh, the Evan Ezra famously says, the ain le Shire reyesh, Shvarim don't have friends. And then he says, chutz mi ha ben buta haza. He says, the only friend a Shire would have is this ben buta. But you see already, the Rishayinim struggled. What does it mean, Shire reyesh? Who else is it a geyach if it's not another Shire? So al-karcha, it has to mean something coming to exclude. Why could it be excluded? An akum. But it's not that an akum is becheft mufka. Like the second Rabbeinu B'chai says, just in this case, when you have nobody who to put it on, you say it goes on an I believe this could be shot as well. Our third riddle was that it's a mitzvah So yes, the Mishnah says mitzvah etc. It's missing. It's yes mitzrayim. So many of our uh, 
respondents answered, the Mishnah there is talking about mitzvahs that the son has. The son has a chiyav really to be malved. When he gets 13, he has to mal himself, he has to be paid himself, he has to teach himself Torah, he has to marry a woman, etc. It's just these are the mitzvahs that the father is responsible to do for the son before he comes of age. He says, this mitzvah, is not a mitzvah on the son to hear from his father. So this is particular mitzvah that's just on the father. That's not what the mission is talking about. The mitzvah salav al-aben is what mitzvah is the son, mechuyavin, that the father is doing for him. A mitzvah that's just on the father is not in that is not in that Mishnah. I mean, that's a wonderful terrace. I would just point out that the Bircha Shmuel brings from the Rivash, Semen Kuflamid Aleph, that he's mechalik, that mitzvah's pidyin ben is a mitzvah on the ben. But when he's a cotton, he can't do it, the father does it. But he says, uh, Mila is the mitzvah's ha'av, not the mitzvah's ha'ben. And this is from the Rivash. Rivash is carved to Arishan. And Rebarach Berger goes off and says Tyra. But clearly, according to this opinion in the Rivash, I don't know if it's other Rishayim as well, I wasn't Mayan, L'chayri, you don't have this terror. It's the Mishnah then is talking about even on mitzvahs that are uh, the father's mitzvah. So if it's already mentioning the father's mitzvah of Mila, why doesn't it mention the father's mitzvah? So that this would be a ha'ar on this terror. Now the Chinuch in Mitzvah Chafalaf says that so, uh, you could say that the, the mission is only talking about the mitzvahs that the father has, not the mitzvahs that the mother also has. But uh, the Minchas Chinuch asks many kashas on this Chinuch. So, we'll say that absent the Rivash, we have a Teretz. With the Rivash, we remain with the Tzarachin, with the possibility that the Rivash held like to say for a Chinuch. Thank you very much for your fabulous terutzim. And again, uh, we get to hear so many interesting tzadim. This shot from the uh, from this, this Talmud Chacham from Williamsburg who told us shared with us the uh, that Darius is tired or something. Never heard something chadash. Thank you.